0: Welcome to Policy Today, thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State, produced by the Washington Research Council. My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Mary Strau, who is our communications director and a research analyst at the council. And we're going to be talking about reaching common ground in formulating policy. And to help us do that, we have a special guest today, who is Randy Abrams uh, someone who's been affiliated with many traditional progressive organizations and causes over the years. And Randy, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for inviting me. So um,
0: this is something, as I get older, uh, I think more and more about, which is how to make my time useful in the world of policy. And uh, there's a lot of fighting going on right now between the parties. We're seeing uh, in society, we're seeing uh, more division, people would argue, uh, over values and things like that. And, uh, you know, we look at the media today, and there's a phenomenon of channel diffusion where people are watching two, three, four hundred different uh, uh, television outlets or video outlets to get their news, to to get their frame of reference on what's going on instead of the three that uh, some of us grew up with. Uh, and so uh, the three networks. So uh, there's a lot going on out there uh, diffusing our ideas and our energies and maybe pulling us apart. But are there some things that we can do to... Uh, Come closer together and to uh, to solve some of the very vexing problems that our society has today. Randy, what are your thoughts on this?
1: It's interesting that you say that because Mary and I were just discussing um, how people, especially parent, people our parents' ages, are getting their news um, that all the channels, doesn't matter if it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC, they're all sort of repeating a variation on a theme um, and creating some hysteria and fear um, on a whole different level. And so recently my mother was concerned about Sharia law becoming law of the land in different states or different municipalities around the country, and I said... That is not our big problem in this country. So stop watching the news and just go on with your life because Sharia law is not the problem. We have bigger problems in this country. Um, And I think that between social media and act, we're all sort of acting in an echo chamber. We like to talk to ourselves and we don't want to hear any disagreement with each other. And the 24-hour news cycle where everybody is sort of repeating the same story so no one gets scooped. Um, I think that we've come to end the standstill and the partisanship that's become endemic in Washington, D.C. and becoming coming even closer to home in Washington State. Yeah, I think that it's time to find a better way.
0: Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, the the public, I mean, all of us like things that are exciting and new. And, uh, uh, you know, at some point, I don't know if it was during the... the whole situation with O.J. Simpson. But suddenly, everything that went up on a cable news uh, channel was breaking news, a special report, where before breaking news was like a president was assassinated or somebody landed on the moon or something like that. I mean, uh, 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 now everything has to be exciting. And uh, what is usually exciting is conflict. Conflict is very exciting to people. And uh, talk show hosts, at one time, the talk show world was fairly substantive, and uh, some might argue, I might argue that the, the bias was more in one direction in the talk show world, but uh, uh, there was a lot of substance to it, and then over the years now, it seems like the, these hosts have, have shifted to the other pole, and it's not as substantive. Uh, I would argue, and uh, but it's full of stuff like Sharia law is about ready to take over the United States. Do you agree or disagree? And uh, so, yeah, Mary, what are your, some of your thoughts
2: about this? Um, well, following on what Randy mentioned about the echo chamber, I think it's it's one of there's a benefit certainly to having more information because you it's more readily at your fingertips. You can find out. The downside is many other. I'm not the first person to make this point, but you can cocoon yourself. So you can just pick what you want to read or listen to whatever reinforces your own opinion. And you really have to work to say, okay, now I'm going to go visit the site that where they're spouting opinions that are pretty opposed to mine um, or listen to this sh- podcast or radio program. Um, so it's it's it is it's super easy to just have that reinforcing comfortable, uh, news environment. Um, which then of course lends itself to when you're actually confronted with someone who holds opposing views, it can be much more of a shock to the system. I mean, I've certainly experienced that as a Republican growing up in Seattle (laughs) Mm -hmm. where what, but for, you know, for anybody, I think, um, I mean, I make a conscious effort to read, Websites and listen to radio programs where people are not going to be agreeing with what I say, just so I can understand not because i 'm a good person, but I, just, I think' it's, um, I think it's just important to do that to be well rounded but it just, it's just it 's so easy now to have on your favorites tab oh these are all the ones it 's not going to disturb me i 'm um, not going to be offended i 'm going to stay in my comfort zone and i 'm just going to be reinforced in what I already believe um, so that 's definitely the downside of this
1: explosion of information. So, it comes to, I'm wondering why we need this. I mean, is this a need that we need to just be mirrored constantly? Um, What is it about modern life? Is it a, is it part of modern life that we're just so stressed or is there something that's making us just seeking comfort constantly rather than going the extra step to find out what the other person is thinking, even if it's different or uncomfortable from your own opinion or your own values. I'm just wondering what yeah. has changed, mm-hmm. if anything indeed has changed, or if all of these these news sources and, you know, if this was always in us right. <laughs> and yeah. this is just brought out a part of human nature that we... Didn't know existed.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think some historians would probably argue that that we may be reverting. Uh, in other words, if you look back at, at the history of newspapers in the United States. In the mid-1800s, uh, well, there's a paper in Santa Rosa, California. I don't know why it's pop- that one's popping into my head right now, but it's called The Press Democrat. And there's papers called The Daily Republican. And those are kind of relics of a time where if you were a Democrat, you uh, got your news from the Democratic newspaper. And if you were a Republican, you only got it from the Republican newspaper. And then when the progressive era came in and people started – trying to look at politics in a scientific way, political science, and, and, and tried to be more objective, then uh, I think that's when journalism schools were developing and journalistic ethics and trying to select evidence properly and being unbiased, things like that. And, and, and those are values that I think most Americans at some level think are important and believe or hope that journalists uh, and other people that disseminate news, uh, that they have those values. But as time has gone on, and again, uh, people have looked at how much money certain individuals have made by being very outrageous, whether it's on talk radio or cable news, uh, uh, I think we're gravitating more back in that direction. That's what I'd say. But
1: It's become entertainment. Mm-hmm.
2: And then uh, certainly that... <clears throat> That can't help but have an effect on the political realm and the policy realm. Um, so, you know, you have a situation where at least it seems that these days things are more polarized and it's harder, not impossible, because we've seen it here in this state, um, for people of quite opposing viewpoints to still uh, come together. On a certain topic, transportation, education, whatever, and come to some sort of an an agreement that's not perfect for either side, but that does represent accomplishment. Um, So it's possible, but more difficult because to compromise or to give up something of what you hold dear is seen as, you know, being a wimp, being a wuss, being a traitor— Yeah. Getting rolled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a clear cut winner and loser um, as opposed to, "Eh, you know, that's life. I mean, who in life gets everything they want? I've I've often thought about that. Like we have this weird standard we're applying to politics and the policy realm because like, does anyone in their life get everything they want? And it's always my, no, you are, I mean, if you are a sane human being and not a, Psychopath, um, you're always compromising. You're always giving up. You're always, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, honey, even though you know he was wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my uh-huh. husband's listening. Um, but that's just the way life is. That's mm-hmm. how you are a decent human being and get along with other people. Not that you are, you know, completely giving up your principles or doing something unethical or immoral, but just on. Regular day-to-day stuff. That's that's just how life works. And so, why should we expect policy, uh, politics, or government to be different?
0: So, so, I've got another question to ask both of you. How much do you think ideology is a driver? Uh, in other words, uh, we have a strength and a weakness. I would suggest in our system, and that we have a two-party system. I mean, in Britain there are several parties. In Italy there are many, many parties, and in most of the parliamentary countries, there are many parties, and they're strictly reflective of all the various shades of ideology on the scale. But we've never had that. We've had a two-party system, and there was, at one time, a fairly robust conservative wing of the Democratic Party. And there's always There's been a progressive wing of the Democratic Party for a long time. There was a progressive wing of the Republican Party when I was young, Nelson Rockefeller and Jacob Javits and people like that, really dating myself. Now I'm mentioning some of these names, but they were considered liberal or progressive Republicans. And then, of course, we've had the Goldwater type of Republicans who, some would argue, are liberals now uh, compared to some of the current uh, Republicans. So so what did the two of you think about that?
1: I, you know, I have two different distinct thoughts on it. Part of it, one of thought is that I don't know how much ideology is driving it and how much the... The money associated with winning is driving how dug in folks are, especially at the national level. Um, but then, with the rise of the Tea Party, these are not people tainted by money, but by their be- they're not tainted. <laughs> but they have they are driven by their beliefs, and money does not play into it. I suspect that the longer, if they manage to stay in office a generation or two, that money will start playing a role in how they act and don't act. Um, uh, and of course, even on, I see it on both sides, on the left sure. or the right. And I think money is a huge driver, um, mm-hmm. and the need to win. Um, and what has been discouraging to me is that it hasn't been about the values as much. As just about making sure the other guy doesn't get a point, doesn't mm-hmm. get to score the other side, um, and that's why I like people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on my side of things because I feel like they're saying things that aren't necessarily scoring points with the money pe- points with the money people, but they're speaking their truth mm-hmm. and and hope, and not hoping, but trying to move the needle and trying to make things better. Mm-hmm. Mary?
2: Yeah, I'm also kind of of two minds, it's certainly on the <clears throat> question of ideology, because I think it's good to have firmly held beliefs and, um, and to stick with those. And there are certain, you know, for me at least, there are certain principles that were true a hundred years ago and will be true a hundred years from now, and... um and so that's a good thing to bring passion to the debate. Now, <clears throat> you can take that too far where everything is your precious little child and you can't give up. And I'm certainly not talking about, you know, certain very deep values. But, you know, if you're talking about putting a budget together or a tax policy, um, you know, there are areas where you can, you can let go a little bit. So... Certainly if you are if you're an ideologue in the sense of just completely rigid and absolutely my way or the highway no that's not good. On the other hand, eh, you know, having some having some passion is important. Now it's also important to have we were having this discussion like having some cooler heads. Um the point Randy made about and look, every nobody wants to lose an election, but I think the stakes, you know, the fear of say getting primaried or um, the fear of some group coming just coming at you if you are working with you know someone from the other side, someone just throwing a ton of money against you in the next election. That has certainly been heightened. And I think we've all heard the anecdotal stories about people in office these days who now – like they can't even uh, be seen going to lunch with – a member of the other party, because then if word gets out, they'll be seen as traitors to the cause. Co- I mean, that's when it gets to that level, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, I want to bring up, I want to make sure we talk about this for a minute. I would argue that when we talk about channel diffusion, we talk about being passionate, talk about uh, even the issue of money and politics. One of the problems we have is we're not working from a common base of information. And as uh, as we, uh, Mary and I, work for the Washington Research Council, I feel like it's our job to bring credible information, not just into the marketplace, but into the general uh, policy arena as well. And I was very excited to have uh, Dr. Rick Evans out here from the uh, Open Source Policy Center at American Enterprise Institute because... They're working on new, very robust economic models that are open source so everybody can see what goes into the model uh, before uh, the results come out. And uh, They're specifically looking at the new requirement in Congress for dynamic scoring of bills, where bills are not just scored on the the basis of how much... uh, uh, how much they think that they're going to cost uh, per se, but they're going to also look at human behavior and how pe- people's behaviors may change if a if a tax is put in place. This has been something conservatives have wanted, but uh, 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 at, the, at the same time, uh, folks on the other side of the aisle have probably felt that models that uh, measure dynamic scoring are weighted or, or preset to, to come out with an outcome that conservatives like. If it's an open source model, it does not have to be that way. I mean, everybody can participate in developing this, and then we really can get better information. So what do the two of you think about that, a common basis of information?
1: I think it's a great idea in theory, but <laughs> when I think about open source and everybody gets to contribute, my cynical mind goes to there will be gridlock because there will both sides will want to prevail. And then we wind up where we are <laughs> in lots of policy arenas where, you know, you have to trust, you have to trust. And that's sort of the basic thing. You have to trust your source um, and trust the messenger. Um, so, you know, I think it's a great idea. But when you were talking mm-hmm. about um, the, how hum, measuring human behavior, behavior, I was thinking, well, isn't that social engineering? Because conservatives usually don't like that sort of stuff.
0: They <laughs> certainly don't. But, uh, I, but, but what I was referring to is, be, in other words, if you pass a different kind of tax, will somebody not invest? See, this is an argument made now that, uh, well, uh, this company will not come to Washington if you do X or Y. And that's really something nobody can know. But the idea of dynamic scoring is you can more likely tell. And uh, how, how that is accomplished, though, is uh, depends on what's input in the model. And that gets back to where I think that this issue about dynamic scoring is bringing open-source modeling to the fore because it's never going to work without... A level of credibility that would come from people at various points on the spectrum being able to alter, because it's not just looking at how uh, what was input in the model. Somebody, with, when open source modeling, somebody else can put other data in a model. Mm-hmm. Anybody can take it and adapt it. So uh, like anyway, that, that. that's the idea, maybe the ideal, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm excited about that in, in terms of, of uh, possibly moving forward in public policy. But Randy, you're bringing up a very good point. If there's no trust, uh, uh, the credibility of "quote unquote" good information will always be suspected. So, how we how are we going to build trust, Mary, and well, Randy?
2: Um, are- I it just, it, I mean, the short answer is it depends on the people. I think we look at. Um, what happened with the trans- recent transportation package, whether you agree with it or not, you know whether you think a gas tax is a good idea or not, um, I was interested in hearing Representative Judy Cliburn, who is the uh, chairwoman of the House Transportation Committee at the bill signing ceremony. She talked more about the process. And when I first heard her say that, I thought, oh, boy, great <laughs> process. But it was fascinating because she talked about... Um, in part about the trust that was built up. I mean, the negotiations started a long time ago and just how, and they, and they developed really good relationships and that really is the basis. I mean, you could have the most um, impeccable numbers in the world, but if you don't have trust between the negotiators, forget about it. You're Mm -hmm. finished. You might as well hang it up. And, um, and you do, you just have to negotiate in good faith Um, And have a good personal relationship. I remember when I worked, my first real job was with Slade Gorton. And um, one of the higher-ups in the office used to say, it's all about relationships. And it really is. You just have to Mm -hmm. act like a decent human being and be upfront about your differences. Um, And, you know, it's a lot of hard work, as she described it, and Senator King described it, of... Uh, who's you know what do you absolutely have to have? what do you sort of have to have um and then what are you willing to give up altogether so yeah it is it's comes down to it's does come
1: down to the human level
0: sure Randy?
1: I know that it really it's true in all the years that I've spent in policy it's about it's been about the relationships and and being completely up front and saying this is. This is who opposes the bill. This is who supports it. This is where I think you're going to possibly get dinged in the press and, you know, and sort of laying it all out and saying, but we're going to have your back or we can provide you with the best information possible. Um, and you have to decide whether this is something you feel strongly enough to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been built, I hope, some credibility over the years that, you know, no one I'm hope I hope that when I work with somebody that they won't feel blindsided by something. That I'm either going to give them fair warning if, you know, something surprising comes up or I've laid out all of the pitfalls and all of the benefits to working on whatever I'm working on. Um, But it really is it's all It's all about nasty human, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. whole unpredictable human condition um, and what are people bringing in with them. And, you know, even when we do, when I've done lobby day trainings, you don't know what people are walking in with that day. Someone may have had a fight with their spouse or gotten stuck in traffic like I did today for two hours, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and so it's it's a long road and a big picture and it, it all does come down to human relationships and trust and um and building that and it doesn't happen overnight um but with the big policy picture um i feel like that's stymied um by the party system um, mm-hmm. just like what Mary was saying, if someone is seen going out to lunch with someone of the opposite party, tongues wag and you know, lots is made a lot is a lot is made out of that. Um, what do you think they were talking about? Oh, they must have been doing this and you know, saying that and you know, if if anything any if one person gives at all, then it's you know it's seen as a loss mm-hmm. and that as and a weakness. Um and it's it's sad because I think that, you know, we've had we had three special sessions, um, and I'm really not sure what the state got out of it. Um, I'm not sure that the budget that came out of the third special session couldn't have been negotiated in the regular session.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well um this is a very interesting conversation, which I would uh, hope that we could continue.
2: Yeah, and absolutely. So, There's so, a lot more ground to cover.
0: My name is Lou Moore, and I'm and along with Mary Strau. We're with the Washington Research Council. We're very happy to have Randy Abrams Caris with us today as our special guest, and we are so glad you joined us as well. Thank you very much. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation.
1: For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.